Welcome to the Realizing Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Christensen. This is where we dive in each week to chat about parenting, education, and realizing our children's genius. I'm an educator with a background in individualizing learning, and I'm obsessed with helping people find and nurture that genius in their children and themselves. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Jim Hodges of Jim Hodges Audiobooks. And Jim, I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you. I have raised my kids with audiobooks, and I just love them, and I can't wait to learn more about them. All right. That's what I'm here for. Awesome. And I was looking at your bio and you it says that you are the father of three grown homeschool kids. So mm-hmm. you have been doing this for a while, it sounds like. Actually, we quit homeschooling when the youngest one graduated high school. Probably, I'm not real good with calendars, but probably 15 or 16 years ago. My, my, oh, wow. my three children are well into adulthood. We were um, talking to somebody the other day, and she said, "So, is your is your son at college here?" And I said, "Oh no, my oldest is 40. And, and she was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? What?" Which makes my youngest uh, 35. So we graduated them many years ago. We started in 1989, which was relatively early in the homeschooling world. My wife had been asking about it for some time. My oldest was going into third grade. My middle was going into kindergarten and my youngest was like two or three. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'll tell you what, pick one. Pick one of the two that are going into school this fall, and we'll give it a trial. See how it goes. Mm -hmm. So that was Luke. He was in third grade. And Shannon went to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Matthew was too young. So by Christmas, we pulled Shannon out. Yeah. And continued to homeschool all three of them all the way through high school. So, yes, we homeschooled for many, many years and feel like we were quite successful at it. Yeah. And you're still in the homeschool community. I love that. Very much so. Very much so. I've been doing conventions for the last 22 years. I've been recording for all that time. I've got about 100 recordings on my website now. And um, I can't believe that I get to do this for a living. (laughs) It's just (laughs) God's grace to allow me to do something that I absolutely love to do. And people are willing to part with their hard earned money to listen to me read to them. It's just an amazing thing. Yeah. That is so awesome that you love that so much. Now you definitely, you were definitely in one of the earlier pioneers where you were homeschooling before it was cool. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, back then, if you went to a homeschool convention of which there were few, you had, you know, like, you had Bob Jones, you had uh, Life Packs. There just wasn't a whole lot to choose from. Mm-hmm. Over the years, it has just exploded. You know, there's yeah. 15, 20 different reading companies and math companies and history and geography. You know, there's so many options out there. I would be a little fearful, frankly, if I were a new homeschooler family trying to figure out what to use for my kids because the options are just incredible, which is a good thing. It's a good thing, but it can make the decision-making process a little more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does make it hard. You have to put up some filters and, but yeah, 
I know you were in the military. Mm -hmm. Was that a factor in why you homeschooled? It was. We were being transferred every three to four years. And so the idea of putting kids in a school and then taking them out and then putting them in and taking them out was not something that appealed to us. I went through that as a child myself. My family moved, I think it was eight times before I got into high school. And I never really developed any like long-term friends. I was okay academically, a C plus, B minus student. You know, I wasn't brilliant by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) Um, Came from a large family, but really it was my family in particular that was not a big supporter of our decision to homeschool our kids. They questioned, they pressed, they watched closely. And so for us, between my wife and I, it was, this is our decision that we're going to homeschool. And she's doing, obviously, she's doing 90% of that work. I'm working, you know, working. So for our families, it was a good reason to mm-hmm. homeschool. Hey, we move in every time we turn around. So this just makes sense for us. They could see the logic of that. But really, our reason was We didn't like the direction that the public school was going. We couldn't afford to send them to private school. We wanted to transmit our faith to our kids and be in control of their education. And these were higher, much higher priorities for us. And so those are the real reasons, the real reasons that we uh, (laughs) decided to homeschool our kids. Yeah, I know what you mean. I kind of got pushback as well from mm-hmm. from my in-laws actually, and they were like, "Well, I had taught college and so they were like, okay, well you could do it, I guess, uh, you're, uh, you're uh, smart uh, enough, but homeschooling, you know." Parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I um, know. They didn't believe we could really do it until my I don't think they were fully on board until my oldest graduated from college, magna cum laude. So, (laughs) hello. My oldest was, you know, a very, a not unusual firstborn. He was, you know, wanted to do everything right. What are the rules? What's required of me? I'm going to do that. I'm going to honor my parents, you know, all just straight down the line. And so my family kept looking at him and seeing his development as a person and his breadth of knowledge when they would engage him in conversation. And they really started to come around. And it was, so then we said, you know, Luke's just graduated eighth grade. What are you going to do for high school? We're going to homeschool. And they're like, you can't teach high school. I said, we just taught first through eight. (laughs) <laughs> what makes you think we can't do high school well it's 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 high school i said well you know what our decision for our family is that we're going to continue homeschooling them well now they look back at us and say you guys made the right decision all three of your yeah. kids are amazing yeah not that their kids aren't amazing that went to public school I and mean, they, they were they luke's my, my my brother's kids they're amazing people too but in a different way so anyway yeah. my oldest ultimately joined the Navy also. Mm-hmm. He asked me, Dad, what would you think of my following in your footsteps into the Navy? And I said, well, do you want me to say sure? Or do you want me to say absolutely, positively, hands down, I'm with you 100 You know, how, which one of those answers do you want? He said, I want the second one. I said, okay, do not go in as an enlisted person like I did. Okay. Get your degree and go in as an officer. So he did that. He's an officer in the Navy now. And he was offered 
to get his master's degree and got accepted to Harvard. So the Navy paid for his Harvard master's degree in business administration. So thank you taxpayers for paying for my son's (laughs) Harvard MBA as a homeschool high school graduate. Of course he went to college, you know, he went to a regular four-year college, but so yeah, success. It worked. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, when did you decide that you wanted to do the recordings of the books? I've been reading out loud since I was probably seven, I think was Mm -hmm. the first time that I read out loud in a classroom setting at Christ the King Catholic Elementary School in Haddonfield, New Jersey. And Mm -hmm. it was Dick and Jane. And the teacher said, would somebody like to read the first page of this Dick and Jane story? And I I raised my hand Uh and it was like, I knew what an exclamation point meant. That meant this is exciting. So it was like, run, Dick, run. (laughs) The teacher was so impressed. She said, oh my gosh, Jim, that was wonderful. Would you read another page, please? Uh And I was hooked. Boom. Right right (laughs) then and there. She changed the trajectory of my life by her response to my reading a couple of lines of a Dick and Jane book. And so from that point forward, I volunteered to read out loud every chance I got. Mm -hmm. And then in my high school years, I did theater and I was a lector at church. I would read the scripture at church. Mm -hmm. I went to college and did theater there. And then I went to did some community theater, which is where I got to know my wife. And so always, you know, performing was always kind of part of me. So in the back of my head forever, I thought, you know, it'd be so cool. Wouldn't it be great if I could just stay home and read books and people would pay me? (laughs) Wouldn't that be a great job? So when I retired from the Navy, actually about a year and a half before I retired from the Navy, my wife and I were out on our weekly date night. We were at a Cracker Barrel. She said, so what are you going to do when you get out of the Navy? Uh And I sincerely thought she was asking So, Jim, where's the next paycheck coming from? Right. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to be I'm going to have a retirement check from the Navy after 20 years. And we live in the capital city of the state of Oklahoma. We've got Tinker Air Force Base right here. I can get a government job somewhere doing admin work, which is what I did and which and what I love doing. And she said, oh, well, okay, that's good. That's good. But let me rephrase the question. What would you do if you could do anything you wanted? I said, oh, that's, I'd record books. She she looked at me and said, okay, known you for 19 years, married to you for 18, never heard of this. Where where is this coming from? I said, I don't know. I'm a guy. It's, you know, one of those old pipe dream things that you have in the back of your head that you'd never even take seriously. Just Uh always thought that would be great. Uh And she said three magic words. Let's try that. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? She's like, what? Why not? Why not indeed? So yeah. like the next day, we went to the library together and checked out some Blackstone audiobook, a couple of different brands of audiobooks that were, you know, for sale and for loan at the library. Went to the car, cassettes, of course, put the first <laughs> one in, listened for five minutes. And I said, I can do that. In fact, I can do better than that. Put the next one in. This guy's terrible. He starts a sentence and realizes his all of his inflections and his pauses were wrong to be considering the way the sentence ended. He didn't stop and start it over again and edit out his mistakes. No, he just took a left-hand turn and finished. It was like, I guarantee you, 
if I get a chance, I can do better than these people and this will work. So a friend of mine actually worked at a radio station. He had a sound booth. I went in there and recorded a book. I ultimately decided against that author. But anyway, Jim Hodge's audiobooks was born in concept anyway, over a meal at a Cracker Barrel in, uh, in <laughs> Shawnee, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love yeah, that. It's, I, it's a great story, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. And it my thing is, you know, realizing genius and your wife encouraged you to share your genius with the world. Oh, I love that. And you know, one of the main things I did as the homeschool dad was read aloud to my kids. Yeah. And it was a very common thing. I know that I read a lot of the Hardy Boys books. I read Kidnapped. I read, you know, some of the classics. And so the boys were in one room, Shannon was in the other, and she would come into their room and I would read a chapter or two fairly regularly, you know, yeah. as they were growing up. And it was something that I loved to do. And so I would the cliffhanging end of chapters and make them go to bed. And then the next night I would come in and say, okay, where did we leave off? They would have to catch me up with the storyline and said, okay, great. Once they did that, then I would read a couple more chapters. And so it was a good bonding time between me and the kids, which was great. And I got to read out loud, which is something, it was an easy thing for me to do to connect with the kids and be able to spend time with them. I wasn't a great dad. I was a pretty stressed out dad. But that was one thing that I did right. <laughs> and um, between that and all the theater and the performing in church and all that kind of stuff, it just seemed like a natural thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's reading to kids. I've heard of, you know, when you're reading, you're like sharing that story. It's like sharing of soul, that beauty that you're sharing together of, of the written you word. are so right. A couple of years ago, all eight of our grandkids were at my daughter's house. Shannon's got four, Luke's got four. Matt and Charlotte don't have any yet. Um, <laughs> I sat on the couch and I picked up a book and I started reading out loud. And yeah. within 30 seconds, I had one on each side, one outside of them and four people standing behind the couch as I was reading yeah. to them. Yeah. The other day, all right, Shannon's two girls were visiting here and I said, hey, can I read to you guys? And one of them put a whole bunch of the couch cushions on the floor. So we laid on the floor and I started reading and they cuddled up to me. Yeah. And Monica said, uh, do you enjoy reading to the girls? I said, I was in heaven, absolutely yeah. in heaven, that closeness, that all of those things. And, you know, I'm just reading a book to them. It's a simple thing to do, but I like to do voices and, you know, do all of that kind of stuff. And it's just a real connecting time between me and the grandkids. And so I try to I try to do that kind of thing. I read no differently to them than I read to the microphone. Right. I read to the microphone as if there are kids around listening mm -hmm. to me read because there will be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There will be. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. I know when I started homeschooling, I had four little boys. Mm. And as a homeschool mom, first time homeschool mom, Recorded books saved my life. They saved my sanity. <laughs> oh my gosh. Every lunchtime I would put on a recorded book because I needed a time where they were not going, mommy, 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 mommy. Mm -hmm. You know, they were taught someone else was talking and yes. it was a lifesaver. I'd put them on in the car and yes. They would be telling each other to be quiet so they could. Nah. <laughs> 
And so before, you didn't have to be the one telling them. Yeah, they did it for themselves. It was wonderful. And I took them on a three-week road trip, wow. just me. And wow. we listened to book after book. And we had very few incidences where I'd have to like, okay, you need to be quiet or anything. It was, right, it was wonderful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The best advice that I got from a homeschool mom in South Carolina as to how she used my audiobooks in her home was during lunch, just like you said. Mm-hmm. She said, so lunch, you know, lunch starts and we immediately put on the next chapter in the book of yours that we're listening to. And instead of there being discussion or conversation or bickering, the kids will go about making their lunch and eating their lunch in silence because they want to hear the next chapter of that book. And then they're basically finished eating by the time the chapter's over. And then I, the mom, sit down because I've been listening to and ask them some pointed questions. Did you catch this? What does that word mean? And she would do kind of like review time with them. So lunchtime became a productive time, but a great family event to everybody listening to this. And then when everybody had listened to the whole book all the way through, she just held it up and said, who wants it? And it would be a contest as to who would, because then they were free to listen to it on their own again. And kids do, they'll listen to the same story a dozen times and, uh, and just not get tired of it. I can't do that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I keep a good number of books that I've already read, but I get rid of probably 90 percent of the books that I've read, but the ones that really affected me. And I really do think I'll read again, I'll hang on to, but I, I, you know, an audio book, I would probably just listen to and be done with it, but they seem to listen to them over and over, which is interesting to me. Yeah. One of the things I love about audiobooks for my family is I have four boys that I had within five years. And then I have a fifth son that was born seven and a half years later. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so we could listen to an audiobook, you know, where, you know, I have a 15 year old, then a younger boy, and all of them were listening to the same thing. Yeah. It was a shared experience. Yes. The fact, the fact that my little one is being exposed to these different uh, vocabulary words, these different concepts, he can still talk to and be a part of the conversation when we're talking mm-hmm. about the book. Mm-hmm. It's really brought our family together. I remember I did a talk at a homeschool convention about audiobooks, and I just did a little experiment. I only did it one time. I brought my boombox, battery-operated boombox, into the room, uh-huh. and when it was my time to start talking, I just hit the play button, uh-huh. and I just let it play for, you know, two or three minutes, and then I turned it off, and I said, okay, has everybody been listening to this story? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Now that we've all done that together, who's the smartest person in the room? And they're like, we have no idea. Well, who's the most creative person in the room? Who's the oldest person in the room? Who's the youngest person in the room? And they're like, we have no idea. I said, no, you don't. You have no idea because everybody was on the same plane for the amount of time that you were listening to that audiobook. It is a great equalizer, exactly what you just said. It is a great equalizer. Parents can enjoy it as much as a five-year-old. And even prior to that, younger than that, a large portion of communication 
and language development is not as much learning words, although it, that's important. It's the pause and the emphasis and the lilt and the nuance that you bring to the presentation of the word that communicates a large portion of what is being communicated. So kids are learning language skills just by listening to somebody who is reading out loud to them with the yeah. proper emphasis and pause and all of that pronunciation and diction and all of that, that of course is necessary too. But that, that cadence of audio delivery of language is a learning experience for very young kids. So yeah. anyway, I'm agreeing with you. Yes. It's a yes. great level. Yes. One of the things I know as a teacher, and because I've been doing this for a while, I have a lot of people talk to me about why they're homeschooling and how to homeschool. And today there are so many people who are homeschooling their children because their children have undiagnosed learning issues and they just are not being met well in the public school system. Mm -hmm. And so they're Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out, like say if they have dyslexia or something like that. And they're concerned because their child isn't reading at the right level. Right. And, you know, they're like, okay, do I have them read Dick and Jane, even if they're 12? And it's like, well, you can have them start if they're having problems, have them start listening to books because that comprehension and that vocabulary and really all that you were talking about before, all of that is a totally separate thing that they're learning. It is. It is. It's not something that's fine. It's taught in the schools like that, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Have you heard of any families that have used your books to help them with uh, like learning challenges? One in particular that just stands out to me, and I'm sure there are many more like it, and I just happen to know this family. They started listening to my audiobooks very early. We were going to the same church at the time that I started Jim Hodges' audiobooks, and I was recording the George Alfred Henty historically accurate adventure novels. And their son, who was severely dyslexic, was listening to them a lot. By the time he turned 15, you know, maybe seven or eight or nine years later, he wanted to get his learner's permit to drive. And he had to go through some testing. And as part of that process, they tested, and I'm not really sure how this related to a driving test, but I think he couldn't pass the test or something. So they had him tested. His spelling skills were equivalent to like a first grader. And he was, Mm -hmm. you know, middle of high school. His comprehension was that of a second or third grader. His vocabulary was that of a 34-year-old man. Because he had been listening to the George Alfred Henty historically accurate adventure novels. He couldn't read text and comprehend it. He couldn't spell a wit, but if he could hear it, he was learning it. And when you hear the words used appropriately and in context, you learn what that word means. And so that's just evidence of what you just said. You know, there's different learnings. So for this gentleman in particular, and he loved listening to them, they're great stories anyway, Mm -hmm. it was developing things in him that were not coming to him from a book or a pencil on paper. He was learning it because he was able to listen. And, you know, dyslexics, they learn. And the thing that astounds me, and I've heard this so many times from parents at homeschool conventions, and I've done probably 200 homeschool conventions, talked to thousands of parents. They say, well, my son is severely dyslexic or my daughter is severely dyslexic. She can't remember a thing that she reads, but boy, she remembers everything she hears. Mm -hmm. And I'm 
a Christian, you know, I believe that God is in charge of the universe and he knows us from our innermost being. When he allows a shortfall in one area, there's always a compensating area. So, okay, maybe you're dyslexic, but boy, you can remember everything you hear. And that just seems to be universal with dyslexics. Their auditory processing is crazy good. Whereas their visuals are not so much, which is just fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate how in the homeschooling environment, if if a a parent is homeschooling their child, they can allow their child to learn in the best way that allows them to share. Yeah. Yeah. My kids also like, and we did a lot of field trips. Any chance we got, we would do field trips and go to museums and forts and just travel around, go to into Philadelphia, go to Independence Hall, go to Valley Forge, go to, you know, down in Texas, it was go to the Wachita Mountains and go see some buffalo. And, you know, everywhere we lived, we would take advantage of what was available in that area and just go and see and do. I think that's really broadening. And all three of my kids love to travel now. So I just think that's kind of neat too. Yeah, that is neat. You mentioned um, Henty. Now, Mm -hmm. why did you start with his books? You know, so we're homeschooling our kids, had been for a dozen years or so by that point, or thereabouts, I don't know, many years by the time I retired from the Navy. And I knew that I wanted to start home uh, Jim Hodges audiobooks. Mm -hmm. And I love history, so I wanted to find somebody who wrote about history, but I also knew that there was a dearth of materials available to develop the character and manliness of young men. The books are not exclusively for men. There's lots of girl customers of the Henty novels too, but that's what I was looking for. So I, you know, I talked to a bunch of other homeschooling families that I knew from church and said, Hey, I'm looking for this. I'm looking for, this is what I'm looking for in the way of an author that I could record, preferably out of copyright protection. So I don't Mm -hmm. have to pay any royalties, preferably wrote a lot of books, history, and great godly man role models. And to them, every single person that I spoke to said, you got to read the Henty novels. You got to record the Henty novels. Nobody's done them. And I was like, I don't know. I've never even heard of this guy. So I went to Ruby Reeves, who was a member of our church, and she was selling the books. And so, because the company had started republishing them. So I bought half a dozen books from her and I read two or three of them. And I came back to her and I said, Ruby, are they all like this? She said, they're all like this. I said, oh my gosh, I have found my author. Uh And so what he does is he writes historical fiction, kind of like Johnny Tremaine, Red Badge of Courage. It's a fictional character, but who's actually living out history, Scarlet Pimpernel, that kind of thing. And so I chose the book with Lee in Virginia, which was about the Civil War, but from a Southerner's point of view. And I had a feeling that that would be very attractive to homeschoolers just because they're rebels by nature. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so that book sold quite well. i Got another one out in Freedom's Cause, William Wallace and Robert the Bruce fighting against the English and the Bannockburn and Sterling Castle and all that kind of stuff. So this is all knights in shining armor kind of stuff that sold really well. Then I did For the Temple, which was the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. And the primary source was uh, Josephus for his take on that. Anyway, within a relatively short period of time, I had a number of books out and uh, many distributors because I would anybody that was selling the books of which there were many at that time, I would just contact them and say, I've got 
an unabridged recording of this book on cassette. Would you like to listen to a sample? They're like, yeah, sure. Send it to us. Next thing I know, I'm getting orders. So Jim Hodges Audiobooks was born rather quickly. Thanks to George Alfred Henty being a very popular author in homeschooling at the time and writing just fantastic books. I've got 35 of them done now. And he wrote 122. So I've oh got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just great. They're great, great books. I really, I love reading them. I love the fact that people learn. And this same lady whose son was dyslexic wrote and also said, so now I have an 11 year old daughter and we have one iPod that has nothing but Henty novels on it of yours. And she listens to it <laughs> over and over and over again. I know. Isn't that cool? I just, uh, that is really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. That is awesome. Awesome. So I know I did some books, especially when my kids were really young, the bridged or, or the, the person reading them were just the stories. I can now see the power of them being unabridged. Why did you choose not to do any abridgments? Well, for one, it was easier. (laughs) (laughs) Why spend the time trying to figure out what not to record? Yeah, You could have had it recorded in that time. That's true. That's true. (laughs) My theory has always been, if the author felt that it was important to put that in there, who am I to take it out? Yeah. What business do I have taking his words away from him or her words away from her? Yeah. So there's one incident. I can't remember what book it was. Honestly, I can't remember what book it was. Now, there was a chapter appended to the end of one of the classic literature titles that I thought this is a completely superfluous chapter. It has nothing to do with the rest of the book. I have no idea why the author included this chapter. I could have stopped at the end of chapter 21 and not done 22, but it was in there. And so I recorded it because I do complete and unabridged recordings of the books. I think the use of language, the phrases that used to mean things to people that we have no idea what they're talking about now, you have to look them up, figure out what did that phrase mean to them at that time. Mm -hmm. I just think that those are really important touch points. It's like if you were to never read anything written in the 18th century, never at nothing, and then you pick up the Federalist Papers, you have no idea how these people communicated. You have no idea what Thomas Jefferson's talking about with these paragraph-long run-on sentences and two or three turns inside. And that's a skill that has to be learned. And so when I read those long, complicated sentences out loud, I do so in such a way that a listener's brain can follow the logic. Mm-hmm. Because it can be really long and complicated. And I think that that's an important skill to develop and to know how to communicate in that way. I mean, this is one big long run on sentence here, but you don't feel lost in any of it, right? You're getting what I'm saying because of the pause and the emphasis and all of that, despite all of the turns. So I think it's important to just include all of that as an additional brain training kind of aspect to listening to an audiobook. There's just all kinds of things going on that you might not think about mm-hmm. unless you stop and think about it. So yeah. long convoluted sentence <laughs> <laughs> to explain why I record every word. And I know people do abridgments and I guess, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. But what concerns me is, all right, so 
at the age of eight or nine or something, a child reads, you know, a children's classic, a children's edition classic of Treasure Island. Mm -hmm. Now they're in high school and they're told they need to read Treasure Island. They go, I already read that. No, no, actually you didn't. So I have really mixed feelings about abridgments, especially the classics. You shouldn't abridge those. I don't think. My son-in-law reads the originals to his kids and the the oldest is in like fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So they're getting that full steep of the original, which I don't know. I just think that's really important. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's nice. And even the younger kids, they can get it and they get what they they get. Yeah. (laughs) They're capable. Yes. Yes. Don't dumb things down for young kids. I spoke to my kids and I speak to my grandkids as if they are adults. Because that's the goal right. to, for them to be adults someday and responsible adults. So mm-hmm. I never did baby talk. I, never, mm-hmm. I always spoke to them lovingly and kindly. You know, I always spoke to them because I think that that's part of the process too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what are some of the other types of books that you record and other things that you record? I've recorded a number of the classics. I've recorded Treasure Island, Robinson Crusoe, Round the World in 80 Days. I just finished mm-hmm. Swiss Family Robinson. Mm-hmm. I read, if not the best book I've ever read, really in the running for top book I've ever read. And it was by Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. It was not Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn. I read Huckleberry Finn and absolutely did not like it at all. <laughs> But he wrote what he considered to be the best book he ever wrote. And that was Joan of Arc. And I mean to tell you, it is a masterpiece of literature. And so that one is 16 hours long. I didn't get more than a chapter or two into it. And I knew I was going to record this book. It was that good. I would regularly interrupt my wife and what she was doing and say, can I just read you this sentence? Can I just read you this paragraph? Because it was just beautifully written. So I've done a lot of the classics. I have a whole category on the website with those. 35 of the Henty novels. David Nita Jackson wrote historical fiction novels introducing kids to the great Christians from history. I've recorded 10 of those books. Mm-hmm. I have another smattering of other children's books. Susan Marlowe wrote a bunch about the Gold Town oh, Adventures. Yes. I've recorded uh, eight or 10 of those. I have some old time radio shows that I put on the website too, that I had really nothing to do with. I just kind of compiled them because I just thought they'd be fun. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, some overtly Christian titles too, from uh, Ballantine and others. I've got quite a breadth of uh, titles available, about a hundred in all at, uh, and you can get them. I think all of them are available for download at jimhodgesaudiobooks.com. I've got a download a month club. A, oh, that a, norm, fun. A, a normal download is $18. Uh-huh. If you join the download club, it's $6.99 a month and you get a coupon worth $18. So you can use that coupon to buy an $18 download, but you only paid $6.99 for it. So you're getting almost three downloads for the price of one, a couple dollars over. But over 200 people, 220 people or thereabouts on that download club. And frankly, I think they're the smartest people in the room. If they're using those audiobooks in their homeschool to get one for seven bucks and you own it, you keep it. It's not just a rental and your access goes away. 
it's yeah. yours to keep. You can put it on all your devices. I just think that's the best thing going. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, one of the things I look at my siblings and their kids and, you know, some of them have done the audiobook thing. Some of them like in the cars, they just stick in a DVD. They have mm-hmm. the movies and I uh, actually, I have a car now with a DVD player and I don't even know how to I don't even know how to use it. Good for you. I, I got a used car and it's like, I don't want the DVD. Can you take it out? No, yeah. this way. But I can't imagine, you know, having kids watch movies in the car when you can get so much imagination is going on when they're listening to a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like most Americans, I like watching TV. I mean, I do. Yeah. I watch mostly news, but, you know, of an evening, Monica and I lead a pretty pretty busy, full life. Even though our kids are grown and gone, we still have a lot of things going on. And it is nice to be able to just sit down and watch some entertainment in the evening. And I'm not totally anti-TV, although we Mm -hmm. did not have a television in our house for the majority of the time we were homeschooling our kids. We just didn't. We, you know, we would go to the video store on a Friday night and, you know, do Mm -hmm. pizza and movie kind of thing. But for the rest of the week, we didn't have it at all. But yeah, I agree. When you sit down in front of a movie, you do not need to think at all. You just don't need, there's no processing going on. It's just like drinking water. There's no engagement there. I mean, you're watching, you're just being fed. When you listen to an audio book, you're creating that movie in your head. And it's the movie in your head that you remember. You will remember a movie that you see but it didn't require you coming up with it. And so there's just less engagement there. So I agree with you. Good for you for not knowing how to use the DVD player. (laughs) Uh, I don't have any little kids anymore to entertain in the car, but but yeah, that imagination though, I think is so important for kids. It really is. is. Too many of them are kind of losing that because they're in front of the TV, in front of screens too much. I so. love it when I'm asked to drive my daughter's van with her kids in it for whatever reason to make for scheduling purposes. And I turn that radio on and they're and I'm in the CD player. Uh-huh. And so I'm reading to the kids even while I'm driving to them. It's really kind of neat. Oh, really that cool. is cool. That is very cool. I'm sure that your grandkids just love that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, they get a a kick out of it. It is kind of neat. I got to admit, it's kind of neat. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know, for your listeners, there is, if they would be curious about the Henty novels, Mm -hmm. if you go to Jim Hodges audiobooks on the homepage, there's a blue button. I can't remember exactly where it's located, but it says, get a free download. Mm -hmm. If you click on that button, if you will trust me with your email address, which I will not abuse and I will not share you can download the entire audiobook of Under Drake's Flag, which was written by Henty. It's about 10 hours long, and it chronicles the circumnavigation of the globe by Sir Francis Drake, or the future Sir Francis Drake. He's just Francis Drake when he does it. He becomes a star later on. But it'll give you a really, really good idea of what a Henty novel is like And it gets to the action pretty quickly. Within the first chapter, there's a kid on the boat and they're set in sail. And so it follows a young man who's a fictional character and a couple of his friends. But they circumnavigate the globe with Drake. And he tells the story of that exploration in a very entertaining and exciting way. And so the kids are learning history 
And the hero character is just a really fine young man. So he's exhibiting great character. They're learning new vocabulary words, but to them, they're just listening to an adventure novel. You know, they don't even know all that stuff's going on, but it is. But to them, they're just listening to a cool story. So come on over and join the email list and get yourself a free download of an entire audio book. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I will definitely put a link however people are listening to or seeing this to make sure that they can get to that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, just kind of to wrap things up, if you could tell anyone, a new homeschooler, a teacher, give them some advice, what would you tell them? Unless you were homeschooled yourself and you enjoyed it, don't try to recreate sitting at a desk classroom experience, number one. Number two, study your children, learn their love language, their learning style, look into birth order tendencies, try to get to know them as individuals. The evidence is right here in front of you. Nobody minds talking about themselves. As you learn about learning styles and you learn about birth order and you learn about spiritual gifts and you learn about all of these things, talk to your kids about them. They will be happy to tell you what's important to them and what they like and what they don't like. And my wife was a master at that. Me, not so much, but she studied our kids in a big, big way. And you will find that this child likes to learn this way, but this one wants to learn this way. And this one's a kinetics, it's an auditory, and this one's a, re- you know, they're different. They're all different. Yeah. If you want your school to be successful, figure out how they like to learn and use that. And number three, remember that the most important thing is your kid's salvation and your relationship with them. I mean, those are just, actually, that should probably be number one. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but those are all really important. Yeah, they are. They are. And I totally agree on all three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you so much. Well, Jim, thank you so much for sharing your genius with us today. I appreciate that you are willing to do this and everything you do, because like I said, Audiobooks for me and my family, they really were an integral part of our homeschooling experience. And I'm so grateful that you are there and supporting the homeschooling community. Well, listen, you know, like I said, I've done many homeschool conventions and every one of them, I try to set aside time during the off hours to walk around and see what other people are doing. What are they offering? And I think you have the most unique booth in the hall by recognizing that everybody, everybody has a genius of some kind. And for you to encourage parents to winnow that out and focus on that for their kids, I just think you're doing a tremendous, tremendous service. I really, really sincerely believe that. I know I told you when we met in, uh, was it Ontario? I I told you that. And your daughter, I forget what your daughter's genius was. And I thought, what was it? What was it that your daughter? Well, I I have five sons. My mother, my mother was with me. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You identified somebody's genius and it wasn't like math or science. It was something else. I just thought that is just fantastic because everybody is really, really good at something. And God gave them that gift. 
And to figure that out and to recognize that and to encourage that and to develop that, you're just doing the greatest service to the family and to the individual kids. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I really, really do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I will end here. Thank you again. And I'm just so grateful for you being here and sharing everything with us. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Realizing Genius podcast. Head over to realizinggenius.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links and to share your ideas of anyone you would like to have me interview. Have a wonderful week realizing your genius.